Hello there, my name is Paul Waller, not Weller, that's me speaking. Uh, The news today is that I've actually run out of time and I'm unable to deliver to you that Stephen King big hitter episode that I know I promised. Uh, That's going to be with you on the 1st of February now. So as per when life gets uh, sort of in the way, which has happened three times previously, what I like to do is pull out of the vault eight conversations from those big hitter episodes And what I've done here, well, I've themed it around some musical guests that have appeared on the show over the past year. And it is, of course, a great bunch that I've got here. We start with Bleached. All the cities that we run down. Oh yeah, Bleached cover the Black Coat's daughter. We follow that up with Clutch. Oh, that was clutch. And they're covering Blue Ruin. How do you follow that up? Well, Conjurer, of course. Yeah, that was Conjurer. And Conjurer are covering everything, everywhere, all at once. There's no way you can follow that, right? Wrong. You're wrong. This is Goat Girl. Yeah, Goat Girls are covering Strangeland. And then we're following that one with Going Off. Would you believe Going Off are covering Hereditary? And we're going to follow that with Maps. Yep, Maps is covering The Lodge, and you're thinking, well, how the hell do you follow The Lodge? Let me tell you how. It's with Tad. Yeah, that's right, it's that Tad, and he's covering The Shining, and we're wrapping up this eight-episode extravaganza with a band named Teeth of the Sea. Yeah, that was Tea for the Sea. Uh, they're covering the strange colour of my body's tears. Oh yeah, so that was an eclectic bunch of artists and an eclectic bunch of movies as well. It gives those artists a chance to shine individually on the show and it also frees up a month of my time 
for me so I can get on and I can compile another episode and get myself in front of things. I hate being behind, hate having to rush. And before you're asking, all you patrons out there, it does not affect the Patreon channel at all. There is still going to be at least four new episodes up there this month. In fact, I already know what they are. Uh, January the 5th, we've got the best horror movies of 2023, according to Paul. And also in that, I'm including my favourite musical albums of 2023. Uh, And I've already mentioned my number one pick out of our little uh, list of artists there. Oh, could it be? January the 12th, the Amityville Horror Series continues. Uh, It's the 10th edition of that, and it's Amityville Uprising. Another interview with Thomas J. Churchill, completing his Amityville trilogy there. And then we also have, on January the 25th, a video nasty episode continuing that series. We're 36 deep in that now. The Beast in Heat from 1977. We've got guest Jake West to come on and chat about that. And really special this, on January the 19th, Ono Lono, the very first edition of a new series. We are covering together, I Madman that, from 1989. That's Lono from We Belong Dead podcast with a new series, Ono Lono. So yeah, you can find all that and around 100 or so other episodes over at patreon.com forward slash a year in horror. And the reason for this delay, well, I wrapped up the band that I sing in called Ohms recently. Uh, We played our very last show at a festival called Damnation. And I've been sorting out the finances and whatnot with that. Plus, we also went out for a celebratory meal, uh, which we're going to do every year now. It's proper good. But that's another podcast in Dagon. So, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing these things. I'm just completely knocking out my free time. 10 years in a band, 6 albums, tons of tours, hundreds of shows. That's a lot of admin to to finish up and get sorted. But most importantly, my wife and I, we bought a house together uh, thanks to a wonderful bit of inheritance gifting from Claire's parents, uh, which is just for me has been absolutely life-changing. Not going to lie, thank you so much. They don't listen to this, but I just want them to know I do very much thank them. And As anyone that's ever renovated a house knows, I mean, there's pretty much zero spare time. I am, of course, making myself a podcast in studio, though. Now I've not got the band, I can just concentrate on this, and that's proper exciting. Uh, So I don't want to put out this half-assed, big-hitter episode for you. I want to do the podcast properly right, so especially now... Uh, that I've left the band. I'm going to have to concentrate my efforts on horror going forward. So yeah, that's it. Enjoy these chats. There's going to be eight of them. I'm going to pull this one out of the bag for you right now. Here we go.
welcome to the podcast, Mike. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I've caught you at a time when I'm recording this with you before the album's released, but it's going to come out after the album's released. Um, okay. Okay. Mega Fragma. Now, this is a long, long single. Uh, to, to launch your sort of album cycle with it takes a bit of balls. Um, <laughs> what's the thinking behind it? Um, well, I mean, it was the label's choice. It was Rockets. No! To release it with that um, that particular track. I mean, we were totally behind it. Um, I guess it's it's a really good representation of us as a band. And we wanted, to, you know, it's a banger. And we wanted to get a banger out there first thing. Um, and I think this album, Hive, is probably the most eclectic we've done. Um, in terms of the overall sound, it really does go from sort of uh, quite melancholy, almost orchestral tracks to straight up nine minute long experimental techno bangers. So, you know, why not? Why not lead with a lead with a banger? And they love well, the track. They will love the track. And, and obviously so do we. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got into you for the song Rafe, which is proper long anyway. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. I mean, a lot, a lot of our music tends to be quite long. This is, um, you know, this is something we've always done. We've always made long, uh, long tunes. We we don't feel that you know we can necessarily condense all our ideas into four or five minutes. I mean, we do that when it's appropriate. But on this particular track, we wanted to take the listener on a bit of a journey, and uh, I think that's you know that's what it does. Have you been playing these new tracks live yet? No, not yet. We haven't played a single thing off. Um, off this record live before ever um it's actually quite, it's quite difficult to because that that track for example mega fragma uh, mega fragma was we, we recorded um a lot of it in uh a studio called bear bites horse which is run by wayne adams it's over in um, hackney and we recorded about 20 minutes just this big long 20 minute jam and then we took all that material away and then we gave it to someone else and then he took it apart kind of and and reconfigured it and remixed it um and then that's the track that you hear on the record so playing it live it's like well, where you know where do we begin how do we uh, you know how do we how do we do this and we're in the process of working that out now um and it's you know it's quite difficult but we haven't played yet any of the tracks uh, off that record live yet we will do we will be doing them on the kind of forthcoming dates that we've got in october but yeah none of it it's all kind of new it's a bit seat of the pants to be honest I love it. I love that song. Um, and I can't wait for the album to come out. Like the PR hasn't sent me a uh, a copy yet. I can't believe it. Oh, you haven't yeah, that. you haven't heard it. No, I've just oh. heard the two singles. Okay, that's no good. If I'd known that, I would have um I would have sent you a link prior to this. Uh I'll, I'll yeah. get over it. <laughs> that was passive aggressive. <laughs> I mean right. it's it's just unusual because the, it, the, you know that that song, um, the two singles, you know, there's there's really quite radically different stuff on there um as i said earlier it's it, it you know it's not it's not like the whole thing sounds like mega fragma or the whole thing sounds like butterfly house that we the single we released yesterday it's you know it's, it's all over the place really in a good can't way wait. i can't wait um django django did the same sort of thing like with their releases and i, and I wasn't sure where the album was going to go and i hadn't heard it yet when i spoke to them and it, it turned out pretty cool man so i can't wait for yours can't wait for yours right okay front cover of this new record i don't want to get into horror yet i'm just really interested right. in this new record okay so the front cover like what's the story behind it it's really eye-catching i love the little colors that go down the side what's that about tell me all about it 
Yeah, well, that's um, it was done by uh, John O'Carroll, who is um, one of the two uh, guys who runs Rocket Recordings. So both him and Chris Reader, they're, they're graphic designers by trade. And um, we specifically said when we when we gave them the finished record and it was called Hive and we said we definitely we don't want any like sort of hexagons or yellow or any bees or wasps or anything like that on there, you know. So um, and, and that was our brief to him and he had kind of free reign and then he came back with a big fucking wasp or whatever it is on the, on the front. But, um, you know, we, we loved it. It's this kind of mashup of, you know, New Order's Blue Monday, I guess, is quite a, quite a big yeah. sleeve. And then just his own sort of take on on that. And um, yeah, we, we were quite surprised because we, we really didn't want any kind of, uh, you know, wasp or bee and then there it is front and center but it works we loved it as soon as we yeah, got yeah. it that's, that's the one you know we got we got presented with a load of variations and we're like no that's that's definitely the one there yeah i like that you went with the blue like it really pings it's really strange when you look at it you're like what the hell is that all right i can see what it is yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah. is it a little pill at the bottom is that a pill or is it just like the shape of a pill it's just the shape yeah it's kind of whatever um it's what you know whatever you want really uh, I don't think it's yeah. It's, it's not you keep in stem. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to explain too much, you know. Okay, but it's it's nice. It looks really nice on the on the kind of twelve inch format. I've got a load of them up there, no, down there, and um, you know, it's a nice looking, it's a nice looking record. So before we go into horror, I want you to think of your the whole career so far, and I'm just going to say, producer comes up to you tonight and says to you. It's got to be quick, but we need one of your songs to soundtrack a, a really gnarly kill that's going to be happening in my new Splatter film. Let's say that. What one are you going to choose from your repertoire? Oh, man, that's a difficult... Uh, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> hey, I've got an edit button. Uh, yeah, I'll good. Wait. It's okay. Well, I'll just go through every single song <laughs> and then you can choose. Yeah, I don't know. It depends what kind of mood you, you're wanting to create, really, but... Um... I think if if it's going to be something gnarly and and nasty and gory and just in your face, then um, I don't know, probably something like uh, Gladiators Ready, like the end of that track, where it's just you know, it's just this kind of oral assault of of kind of banging beats and a screaming kind of three o three and just this real kind of uh, scree of um, unpleasantness, but you know, in a good way. Well, here it is.
Hey, welcome back. Excellent. Right. We're into the horror stuff now. What's your history with horror, Mike? Where does it begin? Well, TTC, I mean, we're, 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 into, we're very much into film, um, as much as we are into music, really. And it, it kind of, uh, it, it, we, we find it really inspiring and we find ways of working it into, um, into our music. And um, not that we've ever said this, but quite often in the past, reviews of our albums or tracks have, have noted this is kind of cinematic quality to it. And I guess if you were going to kind of put it into any, you know, movie genre, then it would be horror and, and sci-fi is normally kind of where those tracks sound like they fit the most. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're big, we're, you know, we're big, hand, uh, big fans of um, of horror and it tends to be the more or the, the kind of less mainstream, not your kind of sore or, you know, malignant or any of that sort of stuff and more your, your, your giallo um which i think you can definitely you sort of see some of the influence on that on on what we do and certainly in in how we play and some of our music you know we're big fans of goblin and uh see know, that yeah and you know dario argento and all the all the jello stuff so yeah we've with that's it that's ours we've always been into that you know we've always we've always um had that kind of uh had that interest and we've done a series of live um soundtracks in the past we've done a number of those and i think nearly all of them have been for horror or sort of horror adjacent um titles Go what on. the hell is that like doing that what i mean how do how yeah, do you I mean, get your head around that yeah it's, it's, it's really exciting so the first one we ever did we got invited to do a live soundtrack at um a festival called Broncage that I don't think is going anymore. It was in Jersey. It's a film-based festival uh, on the island of Jersey. Um, and I think they gave us free reign to kind of pick whatever film we wanted, really. And in the past, we kind of had a look at, at what other people have done because we'd never done it before. And we looked at what other people have done. And, and nine times out of ten, they people bands will pick um, a silent movie Sure. Like Nosferatu or uh, the Cabinet of you know Dr Caligari or something like that, which is absolutely fine. You know, Phantom Carriage, those are kinds of titles, because um, there's you know no dialogue in there, um, and they can just fill kind of there's you know you can do what you want over it. Yeah. And we thought well, that, that you know that's cool, fair play to anyone that does that, but that's not really. We didn't really want to do that at all, so kind of went away and had to think, um, and we thought, well, why don't we just take an existing film that we're all big fans of and um remix the film so do a live soundtrack so take take the film away recut it ourselves and then do a live soundtrack to the recut version of the film um and we thought you know what let's do it to um neil marshall's doomsday wow um, if you're if you're familiar with i've just interviewed him about it yeah have you really yes get on okay well there we go coincidence <laughs> Um, so we just we all love the kind of absurd, um, you know, outre sort of nature of, of Doomsday. It's such a crazy film that just smashes all these genres together and takes all these ideas and and sticks them uh, in a big melting pot and just kind of sees what happens, you know. And that's kind of what we do with a lot of our music. Um, just take a load of stuff and see if it works, mash it all together and see what happens. So we took Doomsday, we recut it. Um, wow and uh, sort of remixed the film and then did like a 45, 50 minute soundtrack to that and called the whole thing, um, I think we called it Reaper. Yeah. 
I think so anyway. And then we performed it in, in Jersey um, to loads of really bemused people. Was it just a one-off? No, we did it. We did it once in Jersey and then we did it once in London. That was it. So we did it twice. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we went right. to Jersey, got really drunk in Jersey, attended this film festival that was really, really cool. Um, and then, you know, got to perform this ridiculous kind of bit of nonsense. Um, Madness. Yeah. And it was I great. Love it. Yeah. And then the what next choice? we did another one after that. We, um, we did a, a field in England, um, which, you know, is folk horror. We got asked to do that. Um, can't remember. I think we worked with the, the guy that actually composed the score to that, Jim Williams. Wow. So that was one cool. of my favorite films. Oh, really? Yeah, I love it. Okay. Okay. So that was, yeah, when it, it, when it was released, it was around the time that it was released because it came out in the cinema and on digital and on physical all at the same time. Yeah. And then we did it in um, Hackney Picture House and Reese Shearsmith from the film came along, which was pretty cool. Wow. Um, and then we did it at Cork Film Festival as well. So it's it's a lot of work, but it's really worth it because, you know, you just you, you kind of get to these get to go to these cool film festivals and make really sort of loud psychedelic music and in front of really cool images and, and films that uh, that we're big fans of. I'm totally gutted that I wasn't into you at that point. I only discovered you last year. I'm gutted yeah. now, man. That would have been amazing. It was good. It was really good. I mean, we ended up releasing the Field in England stuff that we did on um, uh, as a recording. We went into the studio and recorded it and Rocket um, released it on vinyl. So, Is there, like, just for my sake, is there copies available still, do you know? It's sold out on vinyl, but it's you can listen to it digitally. It's, oh, it's right. okay. I think we've got it up on our Bandcamp. Maybe we haven't. I don't know. It's it's out there anyway. It's on it's on digital somewhere. I'm just, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait now. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. And um, where does the color of your body's tears fit into this whole thing? Um, I don't, I don't know. Quite honestly, <laughs> the other two members of the band haven't seen it. Um, and I haven't watched it for a while. I must admit, I'm not sure why that was chosen as a as a particular um, title to talk about. To be quite honest with you, but well, um, I gave you the list, uh, like, and I think it what is it 2014. So there's not a huge like plethora of like a, amazing titles, but like when I know what your band's like, and I saw them on there, I knew that that was maybe in the the mix of what would be chosen, and it was. Uh, because like you mentioned earlier, there is that colour palette that when you close your eyes and you listen to your music, you see that giallo sort of colour palette, don't you? That's what you see. Yeah. So I had an inkling you would go there. I mean, it's a beautiful film. It really is an absolutely beautiful film. Stunning um, photography throughout. And I like it. I think it's, uh, again, it's it's the sort of film that just doesn't give a fuck. You know, it doesn't make any kind of concessions to um, popular taste or even to, you know, basic film things like, you know, having a narrative or, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> anything like that. It just does its own thing and it doesn't it just doesn't seem to care whether you like it or not. Um, and not all of it works, but, you know, a lot of it does. And again, it's it's from a, the perspective of that's that's how we make music. It's, it's kind of. Um, it's it's clearly artists, I think, working in a in a similar mindset, um, and you've got to admire that, you know. The way it starts is 
right it gets me into it straight away i've seen it twice now and the first time i really hated it like i really hated it because that first section got me so into it and i was so impressed with like the the cinematography just just the blocking the way things moved around the bed the hole in the ceiling all that stuff was just like right this is so impressive i don't know where it's going to take me but i'm in for the ride and it like you say just looks stunning you're just thinking this is this is incredible this is exactly what i want in cinema today but because of that lack of narrative on a first watch if your head's in the wrong space forget it forget yeah. it because i i couldn't follow it and by the halfway point i was like i don't know what's going on but i don't want to start it again to try and figure it out and it was frustrating second time i, I gave it an extra star i go all oh, right i can see where these things connect but then that doesn't make sense so like like you say it's really hard to penetrate this so what is it do you think that attracts you to that Again, it's just this attitude of not giving a fuck, um, <laughs> and and also the the fact that you have to you have to work for the reward of the film. It's not um, you can't just sit down, you know, grab a drink, sort of pay on, hard on your attention. phone. Yeah, you can't do that. You know, you have to pay attention, um, and you also have to to work it out yourself um and it's it's you know like i was saying earlier on about we you know not giving too much of the mystery away by explaining things uh, you know i really enjoy films where it, it's it's open to interpretation perhaps or if there is a definitive meaning behind something it's not exactly clear and you have to work towards that um understanding of, of what that might be um that's more interesting to me i think as a as a viewer and as a listener when you have to put a bit of effort in um, and think about it and pay attention. And it's not just an easy reward of, of some jump scares and it's all sort of tied up with a bow at the end. If you go away thinking about what stuff meant or, uh, you know, what happened exactly and trying to interpret it, well, then it's it's worked as a film, as a, as a work of art, because it's stuck in your head then. You, you know, it's, it's remained with you. You don't just You don't just throw it away as soon as you finish watching it. Did you dig a lot of those Giallo references, like the black gloves, the knife, all that sort of stuff that it was uh, in, bringing into this like modern, a few modern techniques going about? Did, was that part of what attracted you to it? Yeah, I mean, I, th I, th I think because it opens with that, you know, the black gloves, the knife. Yeah. And my initial reaction was, oh, here we go. This is just a, it's, you know, it's just using the tropes of Giallo to kind of cheaply get you into the uh into the film and then it, it it it's not at all it's it's kind of taking those tropes and then upending them because you know jalla films for all their kind of stylistic choices are quite easy to follow there's not you know there's not usually sure. that much you have to kind of work out as there's a killer you know there's people getting killed and and, and you, can, you can follow them quite easily whereas with this it was like well, hang on this isn't this isn't what i thought it was going to be at all this isn't your regular uh sort of pulpy um crime or you know slasher or anything like that this is this is something that you have to try and work out what's going on and it's taking those tropes as i say and and sort of turning them on their on their head really i want to get one of your picks as like a favorite moment but i'll let you know mine and it's a visual gag and it's so gorgeous and it's about with the the vinyl on the turntable as it's spinning around and the way oh, that yeah. shot so yummy 
Like I can't describe it in any other way. It's just absolutely delicious. Like when when you see that happen, you're just like, this is taking influence from so much, but it's got its own thing going on. And as I say, like it's rare in cinema that I get that sort of buzz these days. But mm. there I, I was, like just just watching it at home, going, "Wow! Like look at what they've done. They're just doing this for a record." And like I was getting chills, <laughs> getting excited. Um, yeah. So yeah, and and that's just a visual gag that they're doing there. Uh, is there something with, that you would pull from the film to say, like, look out for this particular moment? I liked any of the more really sort of extreme moments, but I think about two thirds of the way through, where there's just this really kind of gory scene with with uh, this guy getting you know stabbed and cut up repeatedly, and <laughs> and and his eyes kind of disappear, and then there's images behind the sort of behind the eyes. And it's all red and green lighting and and it goes on for ages. I mean, like what the, most of the film, you're like, what the, what the fuck is going on? I've no idea. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but it looks so beautiful. It really, really is kind of, you know, so startling and so beautiful to look at. And it doesn't, it could be so easy, I think, for a lot of that imagery to to make you laugh. If it's done wrong, then it looks a bit absurd and you're just like, well, you know, that's that's a bit silly. But I don't think it uh, does in, in, in this particular film. There's a there's a reason behind everything, I think, um, and an honesty to it. So, you know, I admire that. I don't think it's a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it's certainly one that, that, that more people should watch. I like the, the eye stuff in it. It reminds me of like the Fulci sort of eye trauma stuff. But again, there's that modern twist on it. So it's taken all this stuff from Italian cinema and that classic era. And then it's like, just trying to like you say, subvert it, subvert it a little for our tastes and then beyond what we recognize. So it's just like, oh. as I say, I'm still confused. Like it's two watches in, like I, I, I didn't get a headache, but I was just like, oh, I'm really pissed off that I don't get it yet. And I know that next time I will come across it, maybe I'll get a, another another point on top of it. You know, I'll I'll start to get in its uh in its wavelength. But as I say, it's I find it still quite unpenetrable. I mean, I think you know that's that's a good thing in some ways. There are plenty of films that um that I absolutely love that I can't you know work out exactly what the fuck they're all about. And it's when it becomes an experience, I think, that I have to admire. You know these these kind of films. I mean, do you you know if you watch. I don't know, Holy Mountain, something like that. You're not kind of sat there from the beginning going into the end going, well, I know exactly what every single bit of that was all about. Of course, you know, it makes perfect sense. No, it's this psychedelic filmmaking. It's an experience. Um, and uh, I love that as much as a, as a regular narrative. I think it's, it's easy if it, 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 it can kind of flip into it being frustrating. And that's where a filmmaker has to, has to kind of, you know, walk a fairly fine line because if it's so frustrating to the viewer, they're just like, oh, I, I, "I hate this" because I can't work any of it out at all. Then that's no fun. But if there's a an, an element of, um, if I think hard enough, I can work out what's going on, uh, or at least I'm getting some reward out of it. Then, then I think that's you know that's absolutely fine. If you look at I don't know something like Mulholland Drive, that's what 20, 25 years old now, and people are still uh, debating you know, what it means, what yeah. this means, what that scene means, what the uh, significance of this particular, you know, thing in the background or this, you know, what, this object, whatever. And it's, and people are still having fun. They're not, they're, they haven't given up and gone, oh, I can't work it out. So that's it. I don't like the film. It's when, when you, you yeah. know, it gives you that sense of reward or at least uh, the thrill of, 
of, of trying to work it out. That, and I think Strange Color of Your Body's Tears does that, you know. And it might not mean anything. They could be laughing. The field, the two, you know, the two directors could be sat there going, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a bunch of stuff we stuck together. Um, <laughs> Been planning this for years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got no idea what it means, but that's all right. You know, I don't mind that. You're so right. I remember on tour, uh, one morning we all woke up and we were watching uh, like the, the promoters put on Zardos for us to watch and none oh, of us had seen it before. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, we had no idea. But as soon as we got home, I bought it. Like you could go, like, what was that about? You know, yeah. so it can, it, it does happen. And as I say, I'm really looking forward to my next watch of this. So it's not put me off. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just so confusing. Um, before we go, I want to know, knowing what we've said about this, knowing what you've said about other films, without naming them again, is there any that you would uh, join with it, pair with that for like a, a double viewing? I don't want to be too obvious. That's the trouble. I don't want to go like, oh, yeah, pair it with um, Tenebrae or, uh, you know, something Argento. I don't know, really. Fuck it, Doomsday, you know, why not? Have the yin and the yang. Yeah, I love that you watch. picked out Doomsday as well. Everyone's got to go and watch Doomsday. Yeah. Hey, I had no idea what Doomsday would be like and, until I knew I was interviewing him and I watched it and I was just like, oh man, that's like, I wish I had popcorn and watched it at the cinema. You exactly. Know, just like, yeah. He said that he had so much money, he didn't know what to do with himself. Like that, no shit. Yeah, so he just thought I'd throw everything at it. <laughs> yeah, and but it works, I think, in a, in a really kind of gonzo, crazy uh why i mean we we love that film and it's the there's room enough um you know in the world of cinema for something as arty and, and impenetrable as the strange color of your body's tears and something as kind of ridiculous and overblown as doomsday and i think they're both coming from the same place though they're coming from a love of of cinema and they're you know they, they want to entertain in their own ways they just go about it in very different ways mike thank you so much for coming on um first of all i really appreciate it but more importantly <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to get a copy of your album. Um, I'm gonna wait. Don't send me it because I, I want to get it with like the fans, and I want to, I want to order it and get my copy. So yeah, thanks for coming on, buddy. No problem. It was uh, yeah, it was my pleasure. <laughs>